From creation to the flood to the patriarchs to Egypt, join me, Pastor Hook, as we go through Genesis, the backstory to the beginning. We are in the story of Jacob, and um, Jacob's going to wrestle today. And just to set the stage for where we are, we're in Genesis chapter 32. Jacob is now leaving Uncle Laban, and he's headed back to his brother Esau. When Jacob left Esau, it did not go well, because Jacob had stolen Esau's blessing. And Dad Isaac gave a blessing to Jacob that was flourishing and beautiful and wonderful. May the world be your oyster. And then he gave a blessing to Esau, which was really not a blessing at all. And Jacob hightailed it to Uncle Laban. It wasn't supposed to be for a long time, but Jacob stayed there 20 years. And I was thinking about this. I wonder if the reason why he stayed 20 years wasn't just because he was working for uh, Uncle Laban and getting his two wives, um, Leah and Rachel, or maybe he just didn't really want to go back and face Esau. Maybe the reason why he stayed 20 years is that he saw the rage in his brother's eyes and knew that the moment that he stepped back foot near Esau, Esau's rage was going to be overwhelming and he was going to kill Jacob. And maybe Jacob has been living for 20 years in fear of his brother that is, as soon as he went back, uh, his brother was going to kill him. But he couldn't stay with, with, with Uncle Laban because the conflict was getting more and more. Uh, Jacob is, is gaining in wealth. He's gaining in children. He's taking the major majority of the tribe. And if he was to stay with Laban any longer, he'd have to fight Laban and Laban's other sons to take um, ownership of this tribe. And Jacob didn't want to have that conflict, and yet he doesn't want to go back to his brother Esau and have that conflict. I think Jacob is one of these guys that just doesn't like conflict. And uh, I mean, who, who does like conflict? Actually, there are people that really, really enjoy conflict. Um, there is a, there's a test out there that you can take, and there's one particular quadrant of that text of, of personalities where people love conflict. They they eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They just, they, they're waiting for the next conflict because they love to win conflict. Um, so, but there are a lot of people that don't like conflict and uh, they try to avoid it at all possible. And Jacob is obviously one of those people, but he has no choice at this point. He can't stay with Uncle Laban, so he has to leave. And he knows now that he's gonna go back 20 years later, he has no idea what's going to happen when he meets his brother Esau. And so he sends a gift to Esau, he divides it in three pieces, camels, goats, sheep, servants, sends it to Esau, this is a gift, and sends it in three different caravans. The first caravan arrives, says this is a gift from your brother. The second caravan arrives, this is a gift from your brother. The third caravan arrives, this is a gift from your brother. E Jacob has done everything he possibly can do to appease his brother's anger, to show that he comes in peace and love. He just wants to mend the fence. He just wants to do whatever he can to not be killed. But he doesn't know whether or not um, 
where the heart of his brother is. He doesn't know if he's going to die. Uh, so he sends everything else away. And he goes uh, beside the river, Jabbok, and uh, he spends the night. And he sleeps very restlessly because he just doesn't know what the future holds. And I'm sure all of you at some point in your life have had restless sleep where something is bothering. And I don't know if you've ever had, have you ever had restless sleep because, because you thought you were going to die the next morning? I, I suppose there could be some of you that this is actually the, the reason why you're having a restless sleep. Um, I've had restless sleep because uh, I don't know. I mean, just restless sleep because of your children, restless sleep because of your job, restless sleep because you're going to take a test. Rest and sleep because you're going to give a presentation. Um, when, when challenging things happen in your life, you can have restless sleep. Uh, or you could get to the point where you have wrestled with God and with, your, with yourself and with life enough to where you can go to bed every night at peace and joy and rest comfortably because... Whatever happens tomorrow is okay because God's taking care of you up to now and you know God's going to take care of you in the future and you're his beloved child and there's absolutely no reason whatsoever to ever have a restless sleep in your life. And I think this is the point that we all want to get to in our life where we've experienced enough of God and we've seen the blessings of God in our life well enough to where we don't have to wrestle as we're sleeping. And uh, that's my joy for every single one of you, is that you come to the realization that God's in charge. He loves you. You're in the kingdom. There's no power on earth that can ever separate you from his love. Yeah, might some difficult things might happen in the morning. You might even die in the morning. I like Jacob's thinking about. But God's got it under control. And just to have that peace of knowing that God has it under control, that doesn't happen just overnight. That comes after a period of time, for some people a long time, for some people a short time of wrestling with the things of life. And um, so we're gonna, we're gonna look and see how Jacob handles this. This is probably one of the more famous stories about Jacob. I'm sure you've all heard of this story. It's when Jacob wrestles with God. And let's just go ahead and start reading into it because there's so much here. Um, so let's go into the story. We're now in Genesis 2, and we're going to start at verse 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all of his possessions. So Jacob now was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Okay, we'll just stop right there. So now we see that Jacob is alone. He sent everything that he owns, his servants, his wives, all the possessions over the Jabbok. And then now he has remained, um, he sent over his possessions, he's remaining on this other side of the stream. And now Jacob is alone. And now Jacob is going to wrestle with God. 
Now, allegorically, you could say this is um, that J- Jacob has all this uh, fear of the unknown of the future, and so he's wrestling with God. Allegorically, he's wrestling, but but as you see, this story is is referenced later, not only in the prophets but in the New Testament. And it's clear that Jacob is actually wrestling with a physical human being. That's, that is what this story is showing. And uh, I like the idea of Jacob just wrestling with God, so powerful of a wrestling that it feels like a human being. But in future looking at this from, from the prophets and from, uh, from the New Testament, they all take it as Jacob wrestling with a physical person. And that becomes one of the questions. Who is this physical person that Jacob is wrestling with? Is it an angel? Is it God? Is it Jesus? And uh, different people have different interpretations of that. We might get back into that. I just, I like it as simply wrestling with God um, because there have been so many times in my life when I have wrestled with God, when I have, it doesn't, it's not necessarily that I'm afraid for the future, although that can keep me awake at light at night. But just wrestling with God for various questions about life, like why have you placed me in such a situation, and why are you calling me to do things that I don't want to do, and um, you know all these things that that cause me to lose sleep. I see that as wrestling with God, and I'm sure you see the same thing. Um, and I think it's healthy for us to wrestle with God. If there's anything that comes out of this story, I would like you to consider that anytime you wrestle with God, it's a good thing. Anytime you, you hold on to God and say, God bless me, un- help me understand this situation, wrestle with me, I think that's a good thing. And um, when you wrestle with God, you are changed. In Jacob's case, this man wrestling with God uh, touches Jacob's hip, so the hip is wrenched and it hurts. Now, uh, I guess I could do a... a, The fascinating thing is is that even to this day, Jews do not eat a certain uh, ligament or tendon that comes off of the hip bone. Um, it's part of the sciatic nerve, and they've got a name for it. It's like the Gad Hadid or something. I can't remember what it is, but there's this particular nerve-ending tendon that comes off of the hip, and they actually don't eat that of any animal. And the reason why they don't eat that, right, it's like, Father, why do we not eat that particular portion? And he'll say, well, I would tell you, son, we don't eat that because there was a time when Jacob was wrestling with the angel, and the angel touched his hip and uh, it basically destroyed this ligament. And I mean, that's one of the great things that I love about the, the Jewish faith is that everything is a reference to some biblical story. And you can just imagine around the kitchen, mom preparing some animal that it's going to be cooking for dinner, and she very carefully cuts out this particular tendon, sends it to the side, and says, and the, and the kid's like, Mom, why did you do that? And she says, well, let's take this to the dinner table. And at dinner tonight, let's have Dad tell the story about Jacob. And, and so they would prepare the dinner, and then they would set this. And I can see the father retelling this story about what happened with Jacob. And that is one way. I mean, I love the idea. 
of every time you have a dinner that there's some reference in that dinner that reminds you of some scriptural reading because uh, or some story from the New Testament. And I love how beautifully the Jewish people have done this, and they've done it for years. Jesus would have done this, um, would have been a part of this type of thing. And uh, because when you're in a culture where the main thing of the day is the meal of the day, right? The one meal where you're all going to get together and just enjoy the blessings of God and the fruits of God and the fruits of each other. I mean, we, we have meals that last, you know, five minutes. When you have kids around the table, you're lucky to make it stretch to a half an hour because there's all these different things going on. But when you were a Jewish person having a meal together, you wanted that meal to last as long as possible because it was during that meal that you had fellowship and joy and it was the blessings of God. It was a foretaste. The meal was a foretaste of the banquet that happens in heaven. Um, so the Jewish people do not eat that, that hip part. Um, so Jacob now is wrestling with God. Uh, and, the, and the man wrestled and, and touched his hip. Uh, so let's, let's continue reading in verse 26. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man said, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Oh man, I find this fascinating. So um, Jacob is struggling. This struggle isn't just with God. It's struggling with God and humans. Jacob is really having a night of struggle. He's struggling with God, of course, because like, God, why have you put me in this situation? Are you going to bless me? Are you going to continue to let my descendants be as numerous as the grains of sands on the earth? Why am I in this situation? Why do I have to wrestle my brother? Why do I have to go back? Uh, but the angel is saying, you've struggled with God and you struggle with humans. And so I'm going to change your name. He who struggles, right? Jacob is going to be Israel, struggles with God. And so the name Israel actually means he who struggles with God or the one that struggles with God. So the whole nation of Israel is named after Jacob, after he wrestles with God and after God changes his name from Jacob to Israel. So whenever you hear about an Israelite or ever you hear about Israel, the nation of Israel, this nation is basically the nation of Jacob. And um, he was named Jacob at this point next to the Jabbok River. And, he, and the name means struggles with God. So, and I love this too. The whole nation of, Ab of Israel is a nation that struggles with God. And I guess you could even say struggles with man. Um, it, is a, it is a nation that struggles. And we certainly see this even to today that it's a, a nation that struggles. They, they don't seem to ever be at peace. They always seem to be like Jacob by the Jabbok, trying to find ways to survive in a world where people are always against them. Of course, the blessings that we believe as Christians is that through Jacob and through his descendants came Jesus, who was the ultimate satisfaction uh, and end of struggle between God and man. Uh, that, and, that, and that's what we cling to is that Jesus is the, is the, the personification of that, of that struggle and how, how we became at peace with God because, the, because God became flesh and dwelt among us. 
And, um, and now there is no longer any animosity between God and man because of Jesus. Uh, but Jacob struggles with God in front of the Jabbok. Um, so that's where we are. And then, as I, as I mentioned, uh, is, this, is this God? Is this an angel of God? Here it's called an angel. Uh, well, later on it's called an angel. Here it's just a man, a, a man. And um, struggles with God. And, and Jacob definitely grabs a hold of him and says, please bless me. I mean, who can bless, who can bless Jacob except a man or an angel of God or whatever? Uh, or maybe it is a pre-incarnate version of God. Maybe it's Jesus come in the flesh pre-incarnately to wrestle with Jacob. Uh, that's what a lot of Christian commentators believe, that it's actually Jesus himself that came in the flesh as a pre-incarnate representation of God and wrestles with Jacob. We don't really know. Um, we'll have to ask God when we get there. All right, we're going to continue on. And Jacob said, please tell me your name. Oh, that would have been handy. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw the face God, I saw God face to face and let, and yet my life was spared. So Peniel, uh, Peniel, Penuel, uh, that's the face. Pen is face. Uh, El, of course, is for Elohim or El, uh, which is God, face of God. So Jacob calls this place Peniel because it is the face of God. It is because I saw God face to face and yet my life was spared. So Jacob felt that wrestling with God could have potentially taken his life, um, but he wrestled with God. Now, just, just to make it clear, I think there are times in our life, and I can think of many of them, where we wrestle with God all night because we have a major decision to make, we have a major uh, surgery coming up, we're thinking about something this would happen to me in the workforce when I was younger, working as an engineer, and I would have a meeting with the client and the project wasn't going well or something happened and I have to have a meeting with the client and explain, this is gonna cost you more money or it's gonna cost you more time or this is a major, major thing that we didn't in, in, expect and now it's happened. Um, and those are times when you wrestle because you don't know what that, what, how that meeting's gonna go. Now, some clients were well-funded and they, they could take the monetary part in stride, but they really couldn't take the schedule part. And so you might negotiate to add more money to the project so that the schedule was maintained. Uh, I always found out in engineering projects, there were three things. There was schedule, quality, you know, time, quality, and money. And it was a three-legged stool. And if you held the two of those legs constant, the third was dictated for you, right? So if a project, if there had to be a schedule and if there was a particular budget, then if those two had to be held in check, then the third one that would be at variable was the quality. And sometimes the quality wasn't there. If the quality was important and the, and the cost was important, then the schedule would get thrown out the window. If the cost was important and the schedule uh, was important, the quality would get thrown out of the window. If the quality is important and schedule's 
out the window, then your cost is going to, you know, I mean, those three things are immovable things that interplay. And once you set two of them, the third one, it gets dictated by itself. Always. There's no other way around it because the three are interrelated. Um, don't know why I brought that up, man. Oh, because sometimes then you'd have a, a meeting with the client and you'd say, okay, here's the situation. And you'd have to negotiate with the client, which of those three legs is going to get thrown out of the window because one of them is going to get thrown out of the window. Uh, or the client might throw you out of the window, <laughs> which happened periodically from time to time. But sometimes, especially when you're younger, uh, you know, you would, you would wrestle overnight. But, but over time, you realize that this is just the way projects work. And there's, you know, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be fun, but you got to embrace it. Because the happiest client is the one that gets told early and often how things are going in the project. The unhappy client is the one that gets blindsided the day the project is due and say, oh, by the way, it's delayed a month or two months. That's when you get the unhappy client. So you got to learn early on in, in the field that I was in to be upfront and honest and as possible with these clients. But that did cause me to struggle a lot when I was younger. And I would go to bed and wrestle with God. But a lot of the wrestlings I had with God weren't necessarily work-related or family-related. My major wrestlings with God have been with God himself. Like when he did something in my life that I didn't understand or when there was a death that was unexpected and I was angry about, when I was deciding about major career choices, um, when I was deciding whether or not I could trust God. I think the first time I wrestled with God, I was in high school. Now, I had been baptized in seventh grade and believed that God existed and that Jesus was God and that he was the salvation of mankind. But, you know, that was seventh grade. Then you start to mature and you start to talk to other people and you start to see different worldviews that maybe you hadn't seen before. And you have to, for me, this is just me, um, I remember once at a retreat and I was just spending time alone with God, like, God, do you exist? Do you love me? Do you care for me? Are you worth, are you worth me spending the rest of my life saying that you are going to be the central aspect of my life, that, that seek ye first the kingdom of God and the rest shall be added unto you, Matthew 6, 33. Should I put you first in my life? Now, I'd already, you know, been baptized, already said that God was first in my life. But there was a time, I think, uh, it was a high school retreat. I was a sophomore. And I remember being out on this youth retreat, alone in the wilderness, just contemplating God and asking myself more than God, am I going to put you first in my life? Are you going to be the main thing? And hearing clear and loud from God, yes, I am worth being the main thing. Um, and, th and then I was at peace for that uh, and have been at peace for that ever since. Um, because belief, faith is a hard thing. But at some point, God fills you with the faith necessary to move forward in life. And I just remembered as clear as day. Um remembering, wrestling with God at that particular moment, saying, God, you're going to be the center part of my life from now on. 
And I don't know where that's going to take me. I don't know where it's going to lead me. I don't know what is going to happen, if that's going to be a shameful thing or a good thing or a bad thing, if people or friends are going to leave me because of this, if, uh, you know, what's going to happen. But I'm going to make you the main thing. Now, he'd already made me the main thing in his life. Um, but this was a, this was a, I still remember it was a monumental time in my life. And, uh, that, that wrestling with God has been the center point of my life pretty much ever since. And it will be the center point of my life, uh, for the rest of my life and which will never end because I'm in the kingdom. And so that's, that was my wrestling with God. I see that as my by the Jabbok moment. Uh, and maybe you've had an, a similar experience to that. I don't know. Um, but I, for some reason, it's, it could be because of my personality and I have to figure things out and I have to have the building blocks of my life that I can put as foundations because you don't want to build your life on something where somebody can rip that building block out and then you have to start rebuilding again. Maybe that's what drives a person with my personality is I never put anything as a building block unless I'm absolutely positive that it's going to be a building block that's going to last. And uh, so early on as a sophomore in high school, I put Jesus as the main building block of my whole entire psyche of my life. That's, and I, I see that as wrestling with God. I see that as my Jabbok moment. So anyway, we'll finish the story. Uh, beginning of verse 31, the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel. And Jacob was limping because of his hip. And therefore to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. So now Jacob has wrestled with God. I may die tomorrow, I may live tomorrow. Esau may be angry at me tomorrow. Esau may kill me tomorrow. It may go well. It may not go well. But you know what, God? We wrestled and you touched my hip and I am changed permanently because of this encounter with you. And I got to believe that Jacob has accepted whatever fate accompanies him. And he knows, he doesn't know what's going to happen, but he knows that God's with him. And every time Jacob walks with this limp in his hip, he'll remember that God is with him. Because when you encounter God, you are a changed person. It stays with you. Um, it may not be a, a sciatic nerve in the hip. It could be something else. But when you have a deep down encounter with God, these are things that stay with you for the rest of your life. Um, another, another way you could look at this is you could call it a kairos moment. Uh, it's from Mark 1.15, where Jesus said, The time has come and has now come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe. And the kairos time is not a chronological time, which would be chronos. It's a kairos time. It's a moment in your, in your life when God comes into your life and you wrestle with him and you struggle with him and then you come to a belief that now... I'm going to do something differently. Now I have the confidence to do something differently because I've struggled and, and, and with God. We call those Kairos moments. These epic, E-P-O-C-H, epic. All right, so um, may you have Kairos moments every day of your life. And may I have Kairos moments 
May we wrestle with God every day, big times, little times, and may we just struggle with God. I guess of all the things, you know, you'll run across everybody, you know, every once in a while you'll run across somebody that says, I don't believe in God. And the reason why most atheists don't believe in God, uh, a lot of them are because they have, um, they don't understand where, why a God, a loving God could have evil in the world. And so they just, they just deny God and move on with their life and they never struggle with God. And that always makes me very sad because if there's no evil in the world, then there's also no beauty in the world. The two go hand in hand. And you can't say that there's beauty in the world unless you have something to contrast beauty against, which is evil. And I think we as humankinds were created to have that struggle. Like, like, why would God make things so beautiful and then allow evil? We need to struggle with that question. Because I think when you struggle with that question, God changes you for the better. And that's really what makes me the most sad about people who just don't encounter God is they never, they never receive the blessings in their life of having struggled with the hard questions of life and have come out of it on the other end with a deeper understanding of themselves, a deeper understanding of who God is. And, and the third one is just a deeper understanding of beauty, of joy, of peace, of love at a level that you just don't understand unless you wrestle with God. And I think that's my, that is for me the, the heartbreak about somebody that just never wrestles with God or says God doesn't exist, is that they never get to take God to a level where it brings so much humanness into your life. A God-blessed, God-ordained, God-empowered humanness into your life. Uh, that that's that's what I would love for people to experience in in their life, and they just if you don't have that wrestling, and if you just ignore God or, or say God doesn't exist, you never get to that point. So anyway, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, Jacob wrestled with God, and uh, let's go ahead and close in prayer. Dear God, thanks for the blessings of this day. Thank you for the example of. Jacob, who wrestled with you, help us in our daily struggles to wrestle with you so that we too can be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen.